0: You are listening to a message recorded at Living Hope Church in Southwick, Massachusetts. We hope you find encouragement through God's Word today. We're glad that you're here worshiping with us today. And so we have a special guest with us, and he is by way of Texas. Uh, Spent about 10 years or so in Texas doing uh, college campus ministry and pastoring to young adults uh, he has since moved to uh, the Boston area with his wife and family uh, to come and to uh, establish a campus ministry on one of the campuses, uh, secular campuses in Boston. So Chi Alpha, which is a part of the Assemblies of God, is something that is uh, ministry specifically to college students to reach the lost on the college campuses and universities. And so uh, it's a big, bold step to come from Texas to here. Usually it's the other way around. Like lately you've heard people go, I want to leave Massachusetts and go to Texas. Uh, he, he and his family are bucking the trend. And uh, they came, they decided to move up with us, I think it was 2020, right? Right around the time like everyone was leaving. You decided, I'm going to come here, and so we bless you for that. So will you welcome him as he comes? His name is C.S. Robinson. So you
1: welcome C.S. as he comes? Good to be here. Thank you, Pastor, for having us here, Living Hope Church. Thank you for your commitment to love Jesus, love missionaries all over the world, and also love college students who... um, who are lost, a lot of them are lost, but thank you for loving them and investing in them. And uh, you guys want to stay back because Pastor Dan said there's going to be a special coffee here today afterwards. So nobody should leave in the middle of the sermon. It's going to be fantastic coffee afterwards. I'm C.S. Robinson's There's my wife Faith there and I have three girls. Sarah, is, she's sitting right there and Mercy is walking and Ella is walking to, uh, to fun times. As you can think, I do live with a house full of women. Praise the Lord. <laughs> exactly, God bless you. My wife and I had the privilege to serve Jesus uh, on a university campus setting for the past 12 years in Texas. And uh, we can say in confidence that in the midst of all that is going on in our world, Jesus is at work. In the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of societal tensions, in the midst of natural disasters that's happening, He is at work. As believers, we believe that. And we put our confidence that He is at work. And I want to say this morning, He is at work in Southwick, Massachusetts. He is at work here. And Jesus is at work on the university campuses across America. And uh, He is at work in Boston. I don't know if how many have been to Boston. I would assume 95%, maybe 100% of you have been to Boston. If you've been to Boston, you know this. Boston is a city of 152,000 students with 35 universities within five mile radius. We believe that university campus is one of the most strategic mission field that ever exists on planet. And this is true 100 times in the city of Boston. As every year, Boston receives thousands of students, the most qualified students from all walks of life that would change the destiny of this nation and many other nations across the world. So this is our hope and pray that Jesus would continue to build this kingdom in Boston. And so we are committed to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples in universities in the neighborhoods of America and across the world? People ask me, How can we be part of this? Number one, let's pray for revival. And I don't think that is the first thing that we ought to do. So, revival is not something that happens on a Sunday morning. Revival happens when we really seek Jesus and we hunger for Him. And we are not satisfied unless he shows himself up. And he decides to show us up. And that is about revival. And let's pray that God will bring revival into our church, into our houses, and into the streets of Southwick, and to the streets of Boston, and to the ends of the world. And we should be start praying that the revival. Number one way yeah, we can be part is, let's pray for the revival of this nation in our own in our hearts at first. Number two, relationships. And as missionaries who are wanting to plant a ministry on a university setting in the city of Boston, as you can know, it's one of the most liberal places in America. And the universities are, are not an easy place to put our feet in. It's it's not even they don't want us there. They're finding ways to kick us out of universities. And it's just the same place that we're deciding to go in. And we and I would ask and uh, that that you would be praying for um, for key relationships to be formed, that God will somehow lead us uh, to people who love Jesus. We call them peace people. You uh, know, I do believe that God has uh, His people everywhere in the world, and I also do believe that He has His people on university campuses, and He also has His people on the streets of Boston. That we would somehow cross paths with them. Hey, I let me tell you. Just a brief uh, window there. I am not from Texas. I'm originally from India. That's where I grew up. I'm a pastor's kid. I came to Jesus when I in my early twenties. I, I I walked with the Lord, you know, as a as a pastor's kid. You know, these days pastor kids are so wonderful, but those days it wasn't. Um, so, um, I know, I went to church every Sunday, and I was a good kid one Wednesday night. Friday morning, Saturday night, Sunday morning, Sunday evening. I mean, I I was in the church all day, every day. But I did not walk with the Lord. And uh, I went to college and I ran away from the Lord. Somehow the love of Jesus did not leave me. And He chased after me. And they gave me a life to Jesus when I was 21 years old. And uh, I also had a problem of speech uh, problem. I could not talk well. I was a stutterer. I started all my life until I was 23. God gave me a desire to serve Him when I was 21. And I asked the Lord, how do I even say a word? When people ask my name, I would take at least 7 to 10 seconds to say my name. And by the time I finished my name, they did have other things to do. You know, it just takes so much time. Forget about any relationships. So that was my life. And God healed me when I was 23 years old. And... um, and it's been so when I say that, it is not easy to find relationships anywhere. It's, it is hard to find relationships, especially when you, uh, when you are in a new place. So, would you please pray with us that God would direct us to people who love Him and they would become partners in terms of opening doors to be on campus? Because it is very important for us to register as a student organization on campus so that we can be there. For them and live life with the students. And we have been praying for, Lord, would you open doors, to bring us people into our lives, who are faculty, maybe uh, maybe former faculty, maybe a student, maybe a student group of people who have been praying and love Jesus. Who knows what can happen, right? So would you be praying that God will bring relationships? Number three, number three is resources. And I believe that when God brings revival and that God creates relationships, resources will fall into place. God is a God who takes care of us. And I. And I've been doing in the ministry for uh, all of my life in America. And God has always put Himself the, the God who takes care. So I'm not worried about He's taking care of me. He has always done. So would you pray as we go going to ask Jesus to talk to us. And also uh, you can be thinking of the, of the three points that I mentioned. Lord, would you bring revival? Would you bring relationships? And would you bring resources? So I think this is true not only for me in, in my life. And I think this is true for all of us, for Wake. Would you would you bring revival in this church in Wake? Would you bring relationships, the people that you can be met in your workplace, that can be brought into church? And well, Lord, would you bring resources? I think these things are very true for all of us. So can we pray, Father? We thank you that you are a God who loves us. And even before we come to you with our needs, you know them. But you are a God who is patient enough to wait for us to tell you. So we tell you, Lord, would you bring a Bible. Into our hearts first, would you create in us a hunger that we will seek after you. Not just a few times a week. But this burning passion that all will come to know you. That we want to know you, Lord. Just like Paul prayed. That I want to know the power of the resurrection. Would you create in us a... Great hunger for you, Lord. And would you lead us to people in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, in our, where we are. Would you bring relationships that there are people everywhere longing for you, Lord. Would you direct us to them? Thank you, Lord. We trust you for all our needs. And you have not always been good to us. You are a God who provides. We love you. We thank you. Would you talk to us today? Would your Holy Spirit come to this place? That we will be walking out of this place as um, people who heard from the Lord. So would you come and speak to us? We need to hear from you. We need to hear from you, Lord, this afternoon, this morning. We love you. Amen and amen. Um, So I do have a prayer card when you go out. Um, let Let me show you. There is a, as you walk out, there are prayer cards there. Would you just grab one of them? And uh, put it on your fridge and pray over us. Uh, I think that is one of the greatest things that you can do. And God is going to help us. And if you do not know about Boston, people say that Boston is a, is a graveyard for preachers. Have you known this? Boston is known as the graveyard for preachers. What simply means, a lot of people come to Boston wanting to change the world. And they seem to pack their bags and go away in a year or two. That's the history Boston has. And devil actually intimidate us with that sometimes. So when you see that picture, you just pray over us. It can be anywhere when you drive or when you do work in the kitchen or field or whatever. I think that's going to help us big time. <clears throat> so I have mentioned that I have three girls. Sarah is still sitting here. Mercy, my second one, when she was about three years old, found it to be very funny to get on the top of the coffee table that was in the middle of her house. And she would just jump from coffee table to the ground watching this i told her babe don't climb on the coffee table because you might fall down and you might break your foot then daddy would have to take you to hospital it won't be fun so don't do that and after a few minutes mercy calls me "Dada, Dada, come here as i see uh, as i got into the room i saw her standing on the coffee table and she'll says look daddy look and she then she jumps onto the ground well she didn't get hurt then she started laughing as though she figured out how to jump without falling or getting hurt. For a three-year-old, she is sassy and confident. She thinks that she can do everything, but now she's five years old. This happened two years ago. How about some of the choices that we make in our own life? Or some of the choices that we've made despite the warning from people who love us? I know we usually say, I did not think it would get here. I never thought it would cause that much of a pain. The reality is this, that we all believe somehow that we know what we are doing. And I got this. Yet sometimes we still find ourselves in such unlikely places and wonder, how have I got here the gospel of Mark chapter 10 verse 17 through 22 I'm reading from ESV now as he was going out on the road one came running knelt before him and asked him good teacher what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life so Jesus said to him why do you call me good no one is good but one that is God you know the commandments." Do not come under lottery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. And he answered and said to him, Teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, One thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, take up the cross and follow me. But as he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. So now, this is a very famous story, and a lot of us actually have heard several sermons out of it, but I think God still might want to teach some things today, as this passage has been very, um, uh, has been teaching a lot of things to me, especially in this time of pandemic where we thought we had it all together. We had some kind of control over our life and all of a sudden we found ourselves, no I don't. So God has been teaching me a lot, particularly from this passage. Let me tell you this, everybody who lives on the planet has something called a a value system. Now they all look different from region to region, from country to country and sometimes from village to village. As Pastor mentioned, we moved here from uh, from Texas, about six and a half months. There are certain things that I pick up easily. The things that we do differently from Texas to here. So let's start with this. So we all have something called value system. What are some of the value systems we have in our great nation? I think I've, I think I can put them into three. The number one is individuality. We are encouraged at an early age to be independent and to develop our own. Goals in life. We are encouraged to not depend on others, including their friends, teachers, and parents. We are rewarded when we try harder to reach our goals. In some ways, we are very individualistic. That is an important cultural value we have in, in America. Number two is privacy. We like our privacy and enjoy spending time alone. We enjoy our private space and time. Hey, if you ever grew up in India, there are like 1.9 billion people. Okay, you get into a bus, um, a, a public transportation, is a 30 or maybe 60 um, um, seated bus has 300 people in it. Well, one of the reasons I came to America, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we value privacy here. <laughs> Not many places across the world. Equality is another deal. We uphold the ideal that everyone is created equal and has the same rights. So if we can come up with this, these themes, a particular word we can use is called freedom. Freedom is, freedom is the base value we have here. Freedom to make our choices and freedom to run our lives. I do not know, if you have noticed, that our values are centered around as an individual. Our values are centered around you, the individual. We are the most individualistic society on the planet. Meaning, the Americans primarily think me, my thing, my job, my time, my convenience, my desires, my plan. It's a me-centered world. I'm talking not the Christians particularly. I'm talking the Americans in general. Including me. This is the world we live in. But philosophers would say we are pragmatic or we are relative in our thinking. What is pragmatism? It is an approach that assesses the truth in terms of success or of of a practical application. Simply put, whatever works. We live in that world. You Believe it or not, a lot of us who live in our country will fall in this category. Number one, we think we know what is best for us. Number one. Number two, we think we can run our lives the way we want it. In short, we think we ourselves are the best people to control our lives. Or in other words, we are the Lord of our own lives. Yet we know this for a fact in our own lives. We are still looking for someone to come in and save us and lead us from the troubles we find ourselves in. As much as we know, we believe that we can run our lives, we find ourselves in places. We we so eagerly look for someone to come in and save us from the trouble that we find sin. At this moment, I am reminded of a man named Johnny. His actual name is Chang Meng whom I met about 10 years ago while I was on campus one afternoon. Johnny is smart, he's kind, he's polite, he's driven, he's friendly. He's from Taiwan. He was born and raised in a secular Buddhist family. His parents were affluent, he himself was intelligent and well-mannered socially. Even though Johnny did not grow up in a highly individual culture, yet he carried himself and believed that he knew what he He is needed. He can get to wherever he wanted if he tried hard. He had planned out a life that would bring him success. And along with it, a lot of money. I believe we all know people like that in our lives. I should say we all were like that one time. Maybe a few of us are still things that way. We know what we are doing. We know what we are headed. If we are looking for someone to come and save us from the troubles that we find ourselves in. So today, we are going to look into how Jesus is the most worthy to be the Lord of our lives. It's not me who is capable to run my life. It is too foolish for me to think that I am the most capable person to run my family. I would say Jesus is the most capable person to run my family. My family runs well when I walk with the Lord, when I trust Him. When I put him as the primary leader to lead me, so how? What, so what we're we going to study today is Jesus is the most worthy to be the Lord of our lives. Simply, the lordship of Jesus in our lives. Sometimes we think, "Oh, see, yes, that is so basic. Of course, it's so basic." Don't you think that we haven't have Jesus as the Lord? Of course we are, but I think I personally have been challenged in the midst of this season where. Thought I got things in control, then I the found ourselves. I'm not in control. What does it mean to give control to Jesus completely? Something that I've been learning myself. The terminology "Lord" could bring different ideas into our minds. Initial hearing of this particular terminology brings all sorts of similarities, such as controlling, to submit to a ruler trying to rule over us or an autocratic king trying to make everyone do what he wanted to be done. Those are the initial ideas that comes to my mind, our mind, when we hear the word Lord. There is nothing really good about this particular idea called Lord. However, the reality is, is that we all have lords in our lives. What I meant is, is that what gives you the most happiness, what gives you the most significance, what may, what about uh, you make? What makes you feel the most important and most confident—the thing, the position, the job—all these things tells me that I have made something's Lord over my life, and believe it or not, it is leading me to a direction. All these things in my life. Rebecca Piper said this: "Whatever controls us is our Lord, the person who seeks." Power is controlled by power. The person who seeks acceptance is controlled by acceptance. Or by the people he or or she wants to please. We do not control ourselves. We are controlled by the Lord of our lives. That is true. Please hear me now. I'm not telling that all things that control us are bad. But what I am saying is that there are things in our life. That controls us. There are things in our life that that we made the Lord of our life. Either I realize it or not. And because we are constantly yielding to these things that we made the Lord of our lives. Two things happens. One, it shapes our identity. Whatever I made the Lord of my life. Number one happens. It shapes my identity. Number two. It determines my priorities. When I have certain identity. All the priorities has been shaped. uh, um, Determined around it. So number one. What we are going to say. Identity. Meaning you started to find your meaning in it. And you started to look like it. Let's. Let's go back to the scripture that we just read. Verse 19 and 20. He says, in order to have eternal life, Jesus said, you shall not, you shall not, you shall not, you shall not do a lot of things. And then he said, honor your father and mother. And then he said, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, all these things I have kept from my youth, What do I still lack? Here is the story. This young dude followed all the commandments. Well, that itself is amazing, right? He has been a, Good kid since his youth. Meaning, I'm assuming here, he must not have done anything wrong, even in his teenage years. I'm sure some of you can relate to that, but not me. In this case, it is obvious that this young man placed so much meaning to the commandments of God. He made the commandments of God his Lord. He carefully followed the laws of God because it was important to him. I wonder why. Maybe because he must have raised by parents to follow all the laws of God. Maybe because earlier in his life he must have had friends who followed all the commandments of God. Or he genuinely believed that God has a right in his life. And he wanted to obey God's commandment in pursuit of eternal life. See either way. Won't you say it is a good thing to be a rule follower. The fact that he could actually stand up to Jesus and tell him. Well, sir, I have been following all the laws of the book. I mean, that's pretty cool. It's not one of the dreams I have. If Jesus were to show up today in Boston and, he, uh, and I have questions and I told him, Well, Jesus, I have been doing all these things. What else you got? That would have been fun. But Jesus is not really interested in my following of the rules of God if you are doing to get it something out of it. Because Jesus is not that kind of master who demands our attention, our ability, our commitment, our loyalty and our life to put us to work so that he can get something out of us. He's not demanding anything from us to get something out of us. That is us. We are ruled by things in our life that we that may be beauty, a or vocation, or power, or money, success. We put these things a lot of our life. Not for that sake. In order to get something out of it. You think about it. If I were to put education. The Lord over my life. I'm not loving education. So I give my life to education. I'm living what I can get out of it. So. The things that I put Lord in my life, I love it so much, not for the sake I love it. I love it so much because I no longer I can get what I can get out of it. We made these things Lord of our lives because we found meaning in it. Or at the least, hoping to find meaning in it. Now we are in pursuit of this dream to become a complete somehow. And now all choices of our lives are centered around it. Every small and big choice is important and unimportant decisions. You're finding our identity in what we are hoping to become one day. We are looking more like what controls us. Dallas Wooler says this, we are becoming what we will be forever. Our identity is a result of what or who we made the Lord of our life. The identity we have. If I look like Jesus, simply because I made Jesus my Lord. If I look like something else, it's simply because I made that the rule, the Lord over my life. Our identity is a result of what or who we made the Lord of our life. Have you wondered why certain things are important to us? We desire it. We found temporary satisfaction in it. We started to give more time to it, more resources to it. We are always thinking about it, and eventually it controls our mind. Now, this particular thing or this hurt, this hurt, or this job, or the success, or this person is totally controlling our life, and we started to look like it. We made all other things a lot of our life, and now the image of God that you are made in. It's different. Your eyes look dimmer, not much light on our face. God made us in His image. We put something else to control our life, and we've, we started to look like the things that we give our lives to. For the young man, the story was the obedience of the law. He made that his first priority. If I were to do anything, the only thing for me to achieve, the only goal in my life is to obey the laws of God. His success, his status in the society, his value, everything was centered around his complete obedience to the law. But the question today, in what or who are we find our meaning in? That is a question that we ought to ask as followers of Jesus. Now, answering this question with all sincerity is very important because you and I set priorities in our life based on what we find meaning in our life. I remember I'm asking. uh, I remember a pastor friend telling me, Robinson, see, the way you find what is important to your life is to find the thing that you find the thing that you move your schedules around. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And there is one thing that is immovable, immovable. That's the most important thing in your life. And everything is like uh, for, yeah, it can be canceled, changed, maybe tomorrow. The after tomorrow, it doesn't not, it's not a big deal if I didn't get to do it. It's like, if there is one thing that you don't move in your schedule on tip, believe me or not, that is what you're more important to do. I remember he was saying that. I'm thinking, well, that is very, 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 very good. So, right. So, let's see. We set up priorities based on what we find meaning in it. Number two, let's go back to Scripture, what we wrote earlier. Verse number 20, I'll be quick. In 10 minutes, we'll be done. Teacher, all these things I kept from my youth, then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, Wanting you, like, go your way. Sell whatever you have and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. And come take up the cross and follow me. Verse 22. But he was sad at this word. And one of his sorrowful for he great possessions. Did you see? In some regard, he's wonderful. But he himself knew, even though he passed all the... Check of commandments. He himself knew. What is that I'm still lacking? So he had to confine to him. And he said. And Jesus' answer was pretty straight. You have done very good about following the commandments. You have good and a clear record. But one thing you lack is that the throne of your heart is still not mine. You have filled with your possessions, which is really your Lord. That's like, yikes. Right? The paper, the record is so clear and so good. But, but the, when God looks straight at our heart. He looks and sees the throne of my heart. And then he talks to me accordingly. Charles Spurgeon said this. The famous British preacher said this. Men will allow God to be everywhere except on his throne. Men will allow God to be everywhere except on his throne. See, we are interested in making Jesus the first priority of all the areas. But what Jesus requires us is to make Him Lord in all areas of our lives. Jesus cannot just be the first of our priorities. He has to be the Lord of all the priorities in our lives. That means everything. We generally like to make Him the first priority. But Jesus desires His Lordship in all the areas of our lives. A lot of people does not inherit eternal life, not because of the lack of moral righteousness, but because of idolatry or lack of lordship in their lives. Matthew chapter ten, verse thirty-nine says that. We read, "He who finds his life will lose it, and he who loses his life for my sake will find it." E. Stanley Jones. Have you heard this name called E. Stanley Jones? If you haven't heard, if you if you like to read. Read E. Stanley Jones. his an incredible writer. He says this. Suppose Jesus came to our town today. Suppose Jesus came to Southwick today. Or maybe a campus in the city of Boston. He would be popular, then puzzling, and then persecuted. We either passionately love Him or passionately hate Him. Of course, we can take neutral attitudes toward Him. But only if we stay in the dim distance from Him. Get close to Jesus and the soul either stiffens in opposition or melts in surrender. See, these are the only responses we will have with Jesus, the wonderful, merciful and truthful Lord. Either our heart gets stiffened in opposition to His truth and love or our hearts get melted in surrender. This is the only responses we can have with Jesus. Either I love Him so much that, that I want to give everything to Him. Or I just hate Him. But I do not know how to say that to Him. Apostle Paul in Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 says this, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I... Who live. But Christ lives in me. What Paul is saying here is this. Saying yes to Jesus changed my life. My identity has been changed. My personality has been changed. My choices has been changed. My life has been changed. I have been loved by the king of the universe. It's like I never knew I was loved like that. Oh, but Jesus loves me. It's no longer I live. But Jesus lives in me. That's powerful. Jesus desires to be the Lord of all of us because He gave all of Him for us. I understand this is challenging for us to think about the idea of giving up control in every area of life. It makes us sad and frustrated. We read that in the story itself. The young man was sad at his word and went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. G.K. Chesterton said this, The Christian truth has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult. And left untried. A day must come in our lives. When we give up all rights to ourselves. And submit to the absolute lordship of Jesus the King. What is lordship? It's a very cliche word. It has been used in our settings. Lordship is a joyful, unconditional obedience to Jesus. In all areas of our life. For he unconditionally loved us. Us and loves us. It is a joyful, unconditional obedience to Jesus in all areas of our life, for he unconditionally loves us. I want to tell you this morning, no matter where we are, this morning, Jesus it says that Jesus looked at this young man and loved him. And and I think that's one of the key key things in that passage. Here is a guy who scored points. But then he looks at his heart. He, Jesus realizes, well, it is not not—it's not 100% clear. But still, he looks at him and loves him. That's incredible, right? We are living in a world, people are actually trying to find a fault and exaggerate things. And just talk more than it really is. And try to destroy us. But here is Jesus. We tell him, Jesus, I think I'm 100%. Then Jesus looks at my heart. And says, no, CS, yes, it's not 100%. But I love you anyway. Then he looks at us and he loves us. That is the gospel right there. If you're seriously searching and would really take to love Jesus and walk with him, I guarantee he is looking at us and he loves us. Have you wondered how did the writer Mark knew that Jesus loved him? I assume it was the way Jesus looked at him. Let me tell you today that he looks at you with love and compassion the same way you expect some of the people to look at you. Okay, the people are not going to look the way Jesus looks at you. Jesus can and He will. He looks at us with love, full of compassion, and with arms open wide. Come on up. See, I don't know what our identity is rested upon. I don't know what our dreams are. I don't know what really controls us. But you know it, and Jesus knows it too. You know the things that you made Lord of our life, and I know it, what I made Lord of my life. It could be anything, relationships, romance, vocation, power, money, success, ministry, success for me, whatever. It could be any of these things that you gave our heart to. But today, Jesus is asking us to let it go so that you will find Him again. He desires our commitment The Lord of the creation, the one who created everything that we see, the one who calls the stars by their names, the one who knows every part of our being, the one who knit us in our mother's womb, the God who engraved you in his hand, the God who loves you. He's not a power-seeking, control freak who wants to run our life. He's a kind, merciful, gracious, wonderful, gentle, loving, truthful, patient, faithful God who calls you friend. But He is also actually your maker and your creator. He loves us. He loves us. He really loves us. May I tell you, there is no other person or thing that is qualified to run our lives. It's nobody else. No profession, no person, no success, nothing. That is so qualified to love, to, to lead us. If only we can just give our life to Him. He's asking the most precious thing in your life. And I hope this morning you will trust Him with it. And give it to Him. He loves us unconditionally. While we did not deserve it. Jesus' death on the cross and brought forgiveness to our sins. And Jesus called us His friends and changed our lives. It is to this Jesus that you are giving your life to. It is this Jesus that you are asking to be your Lord. He deserves it because He loves like no other. Amen. I've I've mentioned a lot about Lordship. But what does that mean to us? People are like, okay, that's great. But how do I make Him Lord of my life? How does that actually happen? How do I ever make Him Lord of my life? Doesn't it actually happen the first time I received Him? Well, it kind of happened. But it did not. Right? It happened, but I did not. What does that mean? So what? So I'm going to give three practical things that we can... We can, we can practice the Lordship of Jesus. I, I think the Lordship is a practice. We need to practice them every day. Number one, real devotional life. Three points. Number one is real devotional life. We need to have intentional time with Jesus with Jesus, reading scripture, singing praises to him in private, listening to him, talking to us, praying just extravagant time with Jesus. It is his practice of real extravagant time with Jesus. That our hearts learn to know Him personally. We know what God's hand can do, or we know the capacity of God, but we also need to know the character of God. Characters, our character of God is only found when I spend extravagant time with Him. Simply put, you know, once you get married, it's the per- once you get married, that's when you really know the person, is, the character of the person, right? Because you're actually sharing a room with them. Not just the card, not just the movies anymore. We're actually sharing a room with them. This simply means that the extravagant time with Jesus or the real devotional life. Lordship of Jesus in our life starts with extravagant time spent with Jesus. Number two is real relationship with others. This is important. Sincere and real relationship with others possible when we first have relationship with God Himself. It is in this relationship with others in godly community that we we begin to learn to walk in the ways of Jesus in in all areas of life. People say, well, I made Jesus my Lord and I'm going to walk my life myself. It doesn't work that way. God created us to be in community. We cannot live a life that God expects us to live without people in our life. And this is the community that we have here. In Southwick. We involve others to come in. You know, but church is the best place that you can make mistakes. Not out there in your workplace. Church is the best place you can make mistakes. That is why real relationships matter. Because I don't have to hide anything. Because we are here. None of us are perfect. Because we know that we have been bought by the price. The blood of Jesus cleanses us. And if we all believe that. This is the safe place to live our life really. And more like become more like Jesus. So, real relationship is very important for lordship. To practice the lordship of Jesus, this is important to live such life and real responsibility. Having time spent with Jesus and having real relationship in a community, now we know it is our business to reach the lost in our neighborhood, in our town, with the love of Jesus. Our heart started to ache for what Jesus' heart aches. Jesus' desires become our desires. Our heart starts to beat for what Jesus' heart beats. What it simply means is, is, Jesus, the Lord of our lives, receives the most glory when joyfully when me and when we joyfully takes the responsibility for His lost sons and daughters that are lost out there. And I believe the real devotional life and real res- real community. And we have this growing passion to love the people who have not been loved by Jesus. They, Jesus loves them, but they don't know it. Right? That is called the real responsibility. I feel like when I walk on um, Walmart on a house, you, you know, when you're shopping and when you're on an aisle, I feel like, man, I don't know if the person knows Jesus. That's a real responsibility. We, we, are, we are filled with it. The worship team can come. Um, so that is a, that's my prayer. That, that we will be practicing. We will practice Lordship in this regard. So three things I've mentioned. Real devotional life. Real relationship with others. And real responsibility for the world. For each other. That uh, in Chi Alpha we always talked about. Uh, when somebody decides to walk with Jesus. We always said this. Um, Over my dead body. I will let you live a stupid life. That is responsibility. That means that. And if, when you meet somebody, you're giving your life to them. That's what Jesus did for our sake. He really gave His life for our sake. Let me finish the story of Johnny. I started, remember the Johnny? Remember Johnny? I, I started talking about him. I met him. I met him that day. He wanted me to take him out. Uh, he wanted me to give him a ride to Walmart to get a, get a bike. And uh, so I took him to buy, uh, to, to Walmart to get him a bike. We had four hours out there, not, not really getting bike, we talked a lot. And uh, at the end of it, I dropped him off at, at his dorm, and he said, Hey, C.S., would you come tomorrow? Can we have breakfast? And yes, I would come, and we'll have breakfast. Actually, he was invited to my house, and we had breakfast that, that morning. And that turned into a long relationship in terms of uh, he became my younger brother. Four months into it. He started coming to our large group meetings. It, it, it usually happened on Thursday night. I saw many hundreds of students. Were gathered for that particular weekly meeting. And Johnny would come. He would actually sit on the last row. And fall asleep for an hour. <laughs> he does not want to do anything. What was going on there. He started. He would come. But he came because, I, because we were friends. Hey. You can invite people to Jesus, to church, if you're friends with people. Real relationship is the strategy to bring people to God's kingdom. Real relationships. So Joni came because we had a good relationship. He knew that, and he can do whatever he wanted. So he came. But however, I, I, I'm asking Joni, you don't have to come if you wanted to sleep at the church. You don't have to come. You can actually sleep at your sofa at your house. He said, I want to come. But, but four months into that, I had the honor to see him walking out of the aisle, giving his life to Jesus. And next year, Johnny found a a guy named Yuya from Japan and he discipled him to the Lord. And the next year, he graduated and went to London to do his master's and then after that, went back to Taiwan to work. And there he found a godly girl from Chinese background. They, were they wanted to get married. He called me, hey, CS, I found this godly girl. She, she comes to church with you. She plays piano. Um, I'm in love with her. I want to marry him. Would you come and do my wedding? So I had the privilege to travel to Taipei to do his wedding. I was there for a week. Toward the end of it, wedding is done. And I was able to meet his brother. He said, well, I didn't tell you. My brother came to the his name is Leo. He's older than me. He's three years older to me. But I'm glad that I was able to love him. He came to the Lord. And then he said this, By the way, my mother started to go into church with me. So what I'm saying is that when we say that University campus is the most strategic place to reach the world, it isn't a rhetoric. It can happen. And journey became, a disciple maker who makes disciples. Wherever he went, he made disciples. Okay, that is my prayer. That is our hope about Boston. That God will give me another jo- journey. Not just one, Hundreds of them. That they will come to the Lord and they will make disciples. Who make disciples. Who make disciples. Hey, when Jesus. Until. So that Jesus can come early. Right? so that we can get to spend time with you. See, there are a lot of needy people in our lives, in our town. Let's get busy. Let's love Jesus with them. And uh, God is going to use you guys to disciple them, make disciples. So Let's me Let me conclude here. I do not know what runs your life today. I hope it is Jesus. There's nothing else. Occasionally, we find ourselves in places where, of course, Jesus is center, but there are a lot more things that controls our lives. If you would take a moment, would you close your eyes? Would you run to Jesus and ask Him, Lord, what else is there that gives me significance? My family, my relationships. But Lord, I just want it to be you. Oh Lord, or maybe you're in a place like, I know this about me. Lord, would you help me to practice this Lordship? That I would spend time with you intentionally. Would you make a commitment to do that? It's all these things between you and Jesus with no one else. Tell him, Lord, I call you Lord, but I don't think I I practice that. I want to make a commitment to spend time with you today. And also I want to make a commitment to to have real relationship with people that you put in my life. That we will live this life together in a community. Also would you ask, Lord, would you give me a great responsibility for this place for Southwick? responsibility for uh, my workplace that I will reach out. I'm going to pray and again Father we thank you that you are God who loves us. Thank you Lord, for your mercy. Thank you Lord, that you're here today. Thank you for speaking to us today. Would you help us to really make you the Lord of our lives? That we will live that way so that you receive all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening. We invite you to join us Sunday mornings to worship with us. We are located at 267 College Highway in Southwick, Massachusetts. For more information about Living Hope Church, visit us online at www.livinghopechurchag.org.